Alright, I'll invite you to take with me, take your Bibles and turn with me this evening to Amos chapter 5 once again. Amos chapter number 5. We stopped with verse number 15 this morning, and so we want to look at verses 16 through 27 tonight. So Matthew, I'm sorry, Amos chapter 5, verse number 16, we'll begin reading our text. And so if you're able to, let's stand as we honor the reading of God's Word. Amos chapter 5, verse number 16. And the Word of God says, Therefore the Lord, the God of hosts, the Lord, saith thus, Wailing shall be in all streets. And they shall say in all the highways, Alas, alas. And they shall call the husbandmen to mourning, and such as are skillful of lamentation to wailing. And in all vineyards shall be wailing, for I will pass through thee, saith the Lord. Woe unto you that desire the day of the Lord. To what end is it for you? The day of the Lord is darkness and not light. As if a man did flee from a lion, and a bear met him, or went into the house and leaned his hand on the wall, and a serpent bit him. Shall not the day of the Lord be darkness and not light, even very dark, and no brightness in it? I hate, I despise your feast days, and I will not smell in your solemn assemblies. Though ye offer me burnt offerings, and your meat offerings, I will not accept them. Neither will I regard the peace offerings of your fat beasts. Take thou away from me the noise of thy songs, for I will not hear the melody of thy vials. But let judgment run down as waters, and righteousness as a mighty stream. Have ye offered unto me sacrifices and offerings in the wilderness forty years, O house of Israel? But ye have borne the tabernacle of your Moloch, and Chion, your images, the star of your God, which ye made yourselves. Therefore, I will cause you to go into captivity beyond Damascus, saith the Lord, whose name is the God of hosts. Pray with me. Father, once again, we bow before you this evening, and we're thankful, Lord, for your word. We're thankful for the opportunity that we have to come to your house and worship. Father, I pray, Lord, that as we look into your text, Lord, that you convict our hearts. Lord, you draw us closer to you. Lord, that you wrap us in your arms and give us comfort and grace. Lord, I pray that you convict us of sin and, Lord, that we are able to confess and forsake that sin. Lord, whatever the purpose you have of this message and the Reasoning for us being here this evening to hear it. I pray that you show us that. Lord, I pray that you show us how to serve you the better. Through your word, conviction of the Holy Spirit. We love you and we thank you for all that you've done, all that you're going to do. We ask that you bless now the reading of your word and bless the preaching in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Once again, I'm... Finishing up this morning's message, this morning we began a message entitled, Repent or Perish. And we got, I had four points, we got to the first two this morning, and I want to go back and 
see this morning, first of all, we looked and we saw the condition of God's people that we found in verses 1 through 3. And we saw how uh, Amos is taking up a lamentation. He's weeping over the state of his people, Israel. And Israel in verses 1 through 3 is likened to that of a, a young virgin woman that has... Uh, been taken and ravaged uh, by the invaders uh, in, a, in a city and, and left for dead in the middle of the road. She's been forsaken, it says, and there's none to raise her up. She's hopeless and helpless. And by the way, as we, look, as we saw in that, let me call to your attention that this is a perfect state of man's fallen condition. Mankind, ever since the uh, the Garden of Eden, when Adam and Eve uh, took of the fruit and sinned, mankind has been in a fallen state, and there's no body, there's no human being, there's no person, there's nobody that can save themselves, and there's nobody that can deliver you from your sins and deliver you from your fallen state that is any mere mortal man, but it must come through Jesus Christ and Him alone. That is the state of Israel. That is the state of mankind today. Fallen and helpless and hopeless. And a man, Amos is weeping over the state of his people. And that is a perfect heart for somebody to have. As we look out over the landscape of America and we look and we see how fallen mankind is. And we see how lost mankind is. We see all the gay pride parades people prideful of their sin people prideful of abortion murdering babies and that's the state of america today if there's anything that should cause us to weep it's the fact that mankind is proud of murdering babies proud of their sin in fact it seems that you can be proud of anything these days except for being a Christian. Anything else goes. So because of the condition that Israel was in, their fallen state, no hope, no help from anybody, the Lord calls out to Israel a call to repent. Verses 4 through 15, we saw that call where he says in verse number 4, Seek ye me, and ye shall live. When all else looks hopeless, when all if else seems like there's no help and no hope in this world, we can seek God and live. We, with mankind is dead in trespasses and sins. We have no hope for ourselves, in ourselves, or of ourselves. But yet there's always hope and there's always help in Jesus Christ. For it's through Him, by faith and grace, that we can live. Just as the Israelites were in the wilderness for all those years. And what happened? They, they mumbled and they complained and they grumbled and, about all the stuff that was going on. And so to punish them, God sent those serpents. And they bit, and they bit them. And, and everybody was dropping dead from snake bites. Did he leave them in that state? Did he leave them there and say, you were just going to die by the bites of the snake? No, what did he do? He told Moses, fashion a rod and 
and uh, fashion a, a, a snake and put it on that rod and, and hold it up. And what did he say? And as many as look unto that shall live in Jesus Christ. And John chapter 3 said, look to me and you shall live. As Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up. Why? Because there's only hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. And so in verses 4 through 15, as he goes through and he, he names their sin after sin after sin. Their oppression of the poor. Their uh, uh, overturning of judgment. Their hatred of righteousness. Then in verse number 12, he, it's almost as if he just got tired of listing their sins. So he says in verse 12, For I know your manifold transgressions and your mighty sins. They afflict the just, they take a bribe, and they turn aside the poor and the gate. Therefore the prudent shall keep silence, it says in verse 13, at that time. For it is an evil time. Even the honest people were hated. So he calls in verse number 14 and 15. Seek good and not evil that you may live. So the Lord the God of hosts shall be with you as you have spoken. Hate the evil, love the good, and establish judgment in the gate. It may be that the Lord God of hosts will be gracious unto the remnant of Joseph. And can I say that the Bible is full of promises such as that? That if you repent of your sin, that if you turn to God through Jesus Christ in faith, He will be gracious to you. He will show you grace and He will show you mercy and deliver you and cleanse you from your sins. The message is repent or perish. In verses 4 through 15, he calls them to repentance, or else they shall perish. So as we continue on, let's look in verse number 16 through 20. And in these verses, we see the coming judgment. So we've seen the condition of God's people. We've seen the call to repentance. And now, thirdly, I want us to see the coming judgment. In verse number 16, he says, Therefore the Lord, the God of hosts, the Lord, saith thus, Wailing shall be in all the streets, and they shall say in all the highways, Alas, alas, and they shall call the husbandmen to mourning, and such as are the skillful of lamentation to wailing. What that means is that in, in uh, Amos' day in, uh, in Israel's time, that there were actually people that were known as uh, professional wailers. And when I say professional whalers, I'm not people that go out on boats and kill whales for a living. The, I mean, I'm talking about, about wailing, like weeping and crying. And, and oftentimes, especially if somebody was rich and they had a funeral, they would go and they would hire these professional whalers. And they would go out into the streets and, and they would just, just scream at the top of their lungs and, and wail and cry. Why? So they could let, some, let the people know that, that somebody had died. But when Amos 
references this, he's basically saying there's not going to be enough professional whalers to get the message out that something horrible is about to happen. That's why he says, alas, alas, they shall call the husbandmen to mourning. That's a, a farmer. We would call that a farmer these days. And such as are the skillful of lamentation. That would be the professional whalers. And then verse number 17, and all the vineyards shall be wailing, for I will pass through thee, saith the Lord. There's going to be wailing everywhere, weeping everywhere, crying everywhere. Why? Because the Lord is now visiting them. Now, these people that Amos is preaching to, we need to remember the context. These are some very religious people. They've got everything going on that they could possibly want. They've got nice houses. They've got uh, all the money, all the luxuries. They look at their lives and they say, Man, God is truly blessing us. These are the epitome of these prosperity gospel preachers' dreams. Maybe Creflo Dollar had just come through the town and preached right before Amos. Saying that the material blessings or the material things are a sign of God's blessings. Not necessarily. Let me ask you this. In all of Scripture, there is one person to say, look at all the kingdoms. Look at all the gloriousness. Look at all the kingdoms. And these things I'll give to you if you bow down and worship me. It wasn't Jesus that said that. It was Satan. Money, prosperity, riches, fame, those are not necessarily signs of God's blessing. They could have come from somewhere else. But that's the people that he's speaking to. And so he's preaching to them. And these are really, like I said, religious people. They're straddling the fence. They've got, they've got a Moloch and another God on this side. But then they, they've got the worship of the true God on this side. And they're, they're trying to hold on to both of them. Why? Because these people are offering health and wealth in this life. But then they've got God who's offering mansions on a hilltop in the life to come. And so they want both, but they're mistaken that they can't have both. They can't serve both gods. So the cry... There was that call to repent. Come to me, God said. Seek me. Seek the true God. And live. But as they are comfortable in their religion, and they are comfortable with everything going on, they might be a lot like a lot of self-righteous people in churches today, and they hear a good sermon on the coming day of the Lord. And they think to themselves, oh, I can't wait for that day to come. 
Especially Amos's people. They're thinking, man, when, when the Lord comes, all the Gentiles will be done away with. We won't have anything to do with them. And it's just going to be us Jews. Woo! We cannot wait for that day. What a great day that's going to be. So Amos tells them in verses 16 and following, he says, there will be wailing. In verse number four, uh, verse number 18, he says, Woe unto you that desire the day of the Lord. To what end is it for you? The day of the Lord is darkness and not light. You bunch of sinful hypocrites. You're worshiping God, but you're worshiping yourselves. You're worshiping idols. You're worshiping your prosperity. You're worshiping your money and your uh, your your uh, your own flesh. What's going to happen to you on the day when the Lord comes? He likens the nation of Israel to. A man, in verse number 19, he says, As if a man did flee from a lion, and a bear met him. Imagine that. You're walking in the woods, all's well, and then boom, a lion jumps out. You say, oh no, I've got to get out of here. So you run. You run as fast as your legs can take you. And you look back, you see that line far back there, and you think, whoo, I have outrun the lion, only to turn around and run smack dab into a bear. And it's not Yogi Bear either. He's not looking for a picnic basket. This is a mean bear. You run into it. Perhaps... The second part of verse 19 is connected. So you run, flee from a lion. You run into a bear. You think, oh no, I've got to get away from the bear. So you run and it says in verse number 19, or went into the house. What better place of safety than your own house? I can remember growing up, I was scared to death of the dark. We lived on a piece of property in Mobile, uh, uh, 20 acres of land. All my family lived there. Called, we could call it the Clark Compound. My mom, uh, me and my mom had our, had our house. We, uh, one of my uncles had a house uh, uh, about 100, 150 yards one way across from him was uh, my grandma and grandpa's house. And then uh, about 100, 150 yards behind my house was uh, my aunt and uncle and they had their place. And it was just a, a wooded area in the middle of uh, Mobile County. And at night, it got pretty spooky. <laughs> and there was a lot of times my mom, for whatever reason, would tell me to run to my uncle's or my grandma's or my aunt's to get something that she might need. And it might be dark. Well, let me tell you this. I would run. I, there was no walking to it. Or I even might even be visiting them and think, well, you know what it's eight nine o'clock at night it's dark i need to go so one thing i would do and, and i would i would ask my i would tell ask my uncle or somebody that was in the house uh well i went to my back to my house i'd say 
hey, can you stand on the front porch and watch me? <laughs> turn the tor- turn the porch light on, call my mom to turn the porch light on, and man, I would be booking it, man, because I knew that, that whatever was out there that could get me would not be able to get me in my house. The house was a place of safety. That's the feeling that this man has. He's got to get to his house because there's safety in his house. And so he gets into the house and he's wiping the sweat from his brow. and he, He's exhausted from all the running. And just to catch his breath, he leans his hand against the wall. And out of the blue, a snake bites him. He thought he was safe. He thought he had it made. But then that snake, that very subtle snake, bites him and sends him to his death. That's the picture of these people that think because they are doing a lot of things right. That because they can say the right things and do the right things. Remember in chapter 4, they were doing all the sacrifices right. But because you're doing the right things, doesn't mean your heart is in doing the right things. And that's what God is wanting. He's not wanting you just to do the right things. But when you do the right things, He's wanting you to mean to do the right things. A lot of people come into churches and they sing songs. They can sing with the most beautiful voice ever. But if their heart's not right, it means nothing. They can go to vacation Bible school and teach. And if their heart's not right, it means nothing. Just like 1 Corinthians chapter 13, the love chapter. You have not love, what does it profit? And so these people that are thinking that they can escape that coming, that day of the Lord, and think that everything's going to be fine and dandy with them, Amos is saying, you've got another thing coming. It's going to be as bad for you as somebody that thinks they've got safety But because of something so subtle that you couldn't recognize because of your blindness, that day will overtake you. It will be darkness and not light. Verse 20, shall not the day of the Lord be darkness and not light, even very dark and no brightness in it. There's a coming judgment. But the message is still true. The message is still ringing out. Seek me. Turn back to me. Don't just look over your shoulder at me. Turn to me. Let go of your idols. Let go of your idolatry. Let go of your fleshly desires. And turn to me. Seek me. And you shall live. So he points out their coming judgment. And then he turns and directs their attention 
Lastly, to their corrupted worship. In verse 21, this is God speaking. God saying, I hate, I despise your feast days, and I will not smell in your solemn assemblies. Now that phrase is very interesting. The, the smell would, uh, uh, smell in the solemn assemblies, that would relate to uh, the incense that would be uh, lit and offered up. In, in the Bible, the, the incense is being offered as a picture of prayer. And oh, how the Lord loves to hear us pray. He loves to, for us to pray because that is one instance where we are truly acknowledging that we are weak and He is strong. But their worship is so corrupted. He says, I will not, he says, I despise your feast days. I will not smell in your solemn assembly. Basically, he's saying, I'm, your prayers make me sick. They're shallow. They're empty. Just like the Pharisees' prayers. Just like the Sadducees' prayers. They're doing it all for show. And not really to have a relationship with God. In verse 22, though you offer me burnt offerings and your meat offerings, he says, I will not accept them. Neither will I regard the peace offerings of your fat beasts. You bring your offerings to me. You think that just because you are offering your, uh, your fatted calves that I have to accept them. God is not obligated to accept any of these things. Especially if the heart of the offerer is not right. Verse 23. Take thou away from me the noise of thy songs. For I will not hear the melody of thy vials. People of Israel singing the psalms. Singing all these psalms that, that are really worship songs, praise songs, lifting up and, and singing for God. But God says it's just noise. I don't want to hear it. So he says, but let judgment run down as waters and righteousness as a mighty stream. Have you offered unto me sacrifices and offerings in the wilderness forty years, O house of Israel? But ye have borne the tabernacle of your Moloch, and Cheon your images, the star of your God, which ye made to yourselves. Their heart's not fully on God, according to verse 26. They're worshiping Moloch and this other God, Cheon. Moloch is an interesting God. One of the ways of worshiping Moloch. I believe I said it back a few weeks ago when we first started the series. One of the most horrible things I could think of. But Moloch, would, they would fashion the statue of Moloch. And, uh, and he would be made out of bronze. And he would hold, the statue would have his arms out. And they would light a fire at the base of the statue. And what they would do is they would take a newborn baby. And they would place it, <clears throat> excuse me, they would place it in the arms of Moloch. Now, if you remember anything about science, you have that 
fire down at the base, but what happens? It heats up, not just the base, but it heats up and goes through the whole thing to where the arms begin to heat up. And that baby, that poor defenseless baby, as he is in the arms of this statue, the arms begin to heat up and burn the child. It gets worse. The arms would burn the child, the child would begin to squirm and try and get out of the arms, only to fall out of the arms and into the flames that lay below. It's a child sacrifice. Sadly today, I can't remember the exact statistics, but it's becoming more and more prevalent among confessing Christians that they're okay with babies being aborted in the womb. You know what abortion is? It's simply a modern form of Moloch worship. Sacrificing a child for your own selfish desires. The cry today is, what about women's health care? Let me ask you this. What about the health care of the unborn child? There's no excuse good enough to murder a child made in the image of God. But that's what we have in a lot of churches. We have people in churches that are singing the right songs. They're doing the right things. They're, they're giving their tithes and their offerings. They're giving their 10% plus more. They're volunteering, they're teaching Sunday school, they're helping in the nursery. They're doing everything they can, but in their heart, there's still a place for Moloch and other idols. No wonder. God is not blessing a lot of churches. America for years has been the, let's call home base, if you will, for sending out missionaries. America has always been sending out missionaries ever since it's founded to other countries to get the message of the gospel across. You know, it's becoming more and more prevalent today. Other countries are sending Christian missionaries to America. What's happened? We've gotten away from the Word of God. We've got people walk around saying, I can't wait for the day of the Lord. Oh, please, Lord, come back. 
But when that day happens, they're going to find themselves running scared, but there'll be no place to hide. But in all of this, in all of this, there's going to come a time when God will judge this nation. I do believe that. But even as we are preparing for this coming day of the Lord, just as Amos was, this there was a, a coming day of the Lord for for Israel at this time where there would be an immediate judgment upon them, but there's coming an even greater day of the Lord that we need to get ready for. We as uh, professing children of God, we as a, a nation built on Judeo-Christian principles, we need to get ready for it. How? We examine ourselves and we examine our hearts and we say, Lord, is there any unrighteousness in me? Is there any sin that I am regarding? And when the Holy Spirit reveals and convicts us of that, we say, Lord God, we need you. Because the message continues today. God says, seek me. And live. Repent. And live. Or. Perish. On that dreadful day. Of the Lord. How will you respond on that day? The Bible says that. Every knee will bow. And every tongue will confess. That Jesus Christ is Lord. Don't wait until that day. To try and get your life right. To try and bargain with God. There will be no bargaining with God at that point. But as Isaiah says. Come. Let us reason together. Though your sins be as scarlet. They shall be white as snow. Don't put off till tomorrow. What you can take care of today. So we stand to our feet. Bow with me as we pray. Thank you for joining us for our broadcast. I hope you'll join us again next time with Rick Clark Ministries.